Happy Friday, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Morning Coffee. Really excited to drop today's episode. I have a conversation with Ben Fritz, who is a life coach and really specializes in helping people kind of figure out what is unique about them and then leveraging that in order to live the life that they want to live. We do mention a few resources in this episode, and one of them is a guide that Ben created to help people kind of figure out what their superpower is. So if you're interested in that, along with his website and podcast, will all be linked up in the show notes of this episode. Additionally, a little bit of housekeeping news before we get into it. I have a course launching on May 25th is when it begins. It's called The Modern Man's Call, and it's really developed to help men understand the phases in development of masculine psychology so that we can really learn how to answer our own unique sort of call to a more adventurous life. And so the way that I'm going to teach those phases is through myth and adventure and story. And so if you're interested in really diving into what it would look like to be a healthy masculine presence in the world today, I would love to have you involved in that course. So the application will also be in the show notes of this episode. Today, Ben and I really talk about taking a creative approach to lifestyle design and to personal development work. We all have this notion of some people are creative and other people aren't, and creativity is really, in my opinion, innate in the human being, and we can leverage it in order to live in new, exciting, and expansive ways. And that's actually more true today than it's ever been in history, right? Because of the advent of technology, because the barrier to entry has been lowered for so many things that we would want to do. And we talk all about this in the episode. The idea is that now the barrier to entry is really largely our own creativity, whatever it is that you want to do. If you can figure out the creative angle in order to do it, the world is really in your hands at that point. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Without further ado, on to the show. Excited to finally jump back on a track with you. I thought the last one we uh, we had a great conversation. It really went all the way around the map. So uh, I'm excited to like have a little bit more focus in our conversation and yeah. explore this idea of creativity and kind of see where it where it takes us. So I guess for the audience, if you want to start like talking a little bit about the overlap, um, I posted a quote. I actually wrote about this a bit in Burn Your Couch as well. Um, but I said, you know, to the de- to the degree that you deny your own creative ability is to the degree that you deny your ability to transform your life. And I say that to try to wake up, to start waking up the creative side in people and to use that as a tool in the transformational process. And you were mentioning that that sort of overlaps with your philosophies and work. So you want to start talking a little bit about that intersection? Yeah, for sure. Uh, <laughs> I messaged you like right after I read that because I was like, oh shit, this is like feels really good. Um, yeah, I think the the first thing I would say is that, and, and I want to to maybe kind of after we um, bounce some of this stuff back and forth, uh, maybe even define creativity and, and what we see it as because for me, 
I just remember as a, as a young adult, um, being like, I am not creative at, at all whatsoever. Um, very, you know, my background is in the, the sciences, like math and science. Uh, we were talking a little bit before we even hopped on here. Um, I just have a logical analytical brain. Like that's just how my brain works. And that's how I learned to see the world, but also how to create a certain amount of success in that um, I was you know, in school, I was great in those subjects, got really good grades. And then from there, went into college, into a, an engineering career, because that's what made sense, given my proclivity for those things. I got into a career in that and uh, hated it <laughs> and ended up leaving it. So back to the I'm not creative, in hindsight, uh, kind of, it makes me sad for, for that version of me that felt that because exactly to, you know, the, your quote and what you said is my life has been transformed by my creativity and my ability to tap into that. And I do truly believe that we are all, you know, creative beings, that's that's the beauty of being human, right? Is we have this ability to be creative and it is our ability to be creative, I believe is absolutely unique. Like we, we are a snowflake in that way. Like that is, is something that cannot be repeated, cannot be the same as the next person it might be similar but it's not the same at least to to you know the extent that i've experienced things and and what makes sense to me so that's for me and like kind of what i help people do is tap into that kind of the process of backing out of the paradigm of the the success that logical analytical thinking has gotten you. And we're not throwing that by the wayside. Uh, by no means have I done that. I use that in my process all the time as a human in my coaching. It's definitely part of the process, but it is only a layer in which my creativity still drives everything. And, and same thing for my clients in that, um, that is our superpower, I believe, or our innate gifts lie within creativity, not in your ability to solve a given mathematical problem or something like that. Problem solving is important, but that's a skill. Creativity is innate would be mm. kind of my first response to that. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's interesting. We we both, so I, I, I too would consider myself um, for much of my life to not be creative um, and not because I'm not, I'm actually really imaginative and was as a kid. Um, I couldn't do some of the hallmark creative things. Like I can't draw, like, I, I don't know. I just can't, whatever part of your mind you've got to let go to be able to draw, like mine just doesn't let go. So it like comes out really forced and, <laughs> and crappy looking. But um, also though, I learned to navigate the world and keep myself safe with 
the analytical part of my mind. It was like, if I can apply reason and rationale to it, then it was like, it, it worked as a navigational method for, for the modern world because we prize the intellect so high in our culture and our society that I think at a young age, I was just like, oh, I can play this game. And this is the game I have to play to get belonging and to get validation and money and achievement and all the things that I think that I want. And so, um, and so, yeah, I like really walked away from that creative side of myself. And then when I was getting out of the military, I was like, you, you know, whenever you have a transition in life, you find yourself with a blank canvas, essentially. And so it was like, that, you know, a blank canvas is like one part exhilaration and one part terrifying, mm -hmm. you know, because you could do anything with that. You could, you could make a garbage painting. Um, so it, I guess what happened at that moment is it really clued me in on the importance of being able, I'm like, I'm creating my life now. It just hit me one day. It was like, whatever creative potential I have or think I don't have, it is what I'm doing in my life. And, and then, you know, you start to back up a little bit and you start thinking, wow, a lot of us are painting by numbers, but we're all creating our life, mm. you know? And, and that was like an important realization to me that was like, oh, so that, that got me into trying to understand what creativity was because realizing there's some, a modicum of creativity that is innate in every single human being because you are forced to reckon with your life and create something out of it. I would say that's the fundamental problem of your life, right? It's how, how do I be here? Yeah. I, I like that you articulated the fact that it was like a, a sense of safety for you and essentially then building on that for it to become a navigational tool. <laughs> and right. because that's exactly how I would uh, like describe my experience as well and see it in, in others. Um, and really that the, the safety thing comes through because you, when, when you can observe fear, right. And, and what the fears are. So like for the people that I work with, the fears are letting go of a, a safe, steady paycheck and what people might think about them, what, um, what failure, you know, the, like the fear of failure, doing something stupid or looking silly. And now these are human fears, but I think that for somebody who sees the world in this very black and white way, these things become magnified because of exactly like you said, it's like, well, this is the blueprint. This is how success is achieved. This is how safety is achieved. This is how comfort is achieved. And so we kind of, it's, I actually love what you said, by the way, the, the painting by numbers thing. Mm. Uh, I think it's a beautiful metaphor and visualization for what this feels like. And to, to, to kind of bridge the, the gap towards what you said about the, the blank canvas thing, then that is like, that's, it is both exhilaration and fear, but at least from my experience, people that 
have had this kind of logical analytical way of being and also achieving a level of success with it, right? And, and mm -hmm. I, you and I have kind of bounced stuff back and forth uh, about this, but it's it reinforces that paradigm. Correct. But so what happens with the, the, the canvas then is that when you have free reign and when it's all gray area or when there is no black and white, it's just pure terror. That's, <laughs> that is experienced instead of exhilaration. And so um, it feels to me like some of that process then it shifting into creativity is learning how to get excited about a blank canvas instead of just being terrified about it. Yeah. And part of that sounds like based on what you're saying is I think a lot of us, especially in the analytical side of the mind, because the analytical side of the mind cuts everything up, right? At the end of the day, the more you can cut something up, the more you say you know about it. It's like, if I know about you and I cut you up to, and I say, well, I can talk about your cardiovascular system and your circulatory system. And then I'm like, oh, but I could also talk about your cellular makeup and what that means, right? So it's like, then you would say, based on intellect, he knows a lot about me because I'm cutting you up into more and more pieces. But, and then at the same time, it's like, but I don't really know anything about your essence, right? Like I would need to know mm -hmm. your hopes and fears and dreams and the things you struggle with. Like if I really want to know Ben, then I need to, I need to apply a different kind of knowing. And that different kind of knowing does come from the creative side of, of the mind and, and the creative side of you. But it sounds like what a lot of us are doing in the analytical side of the mind is we're giving the fears a much bigger seat at the table kind of like based on what you were saying, right? It's like exhilaration and fear. Um, and you were saying a lot of your clients struggle with the fear part. Like, I think then the question maybe to ask yourself is, okay, so then who do I become if I move through that fear? Now, now, cause that's the actual question that you're wrestling with because you're mm -hmm. looking at the fear and you're like seeing a wall and you're like, I can't, I can't go over there. Right. And that's what the coaching is for. Um, if you give the exhilaration a bigger seat at the table though, and they both have equal say in, in, your thought process about this, then you ask yourself, okay, so if I am able to move through that fear, maybe I have to actually, so let's use one of them. Let's talk about like the fear of um, what other people are going to think of you. Mm -hmm. Like that's a good one that I think a lot of people struggle with. And I think one of the reasons we might struggle with that is because we want to preserve our self image. Yeah. You know, and I guess I'm just spitballing here. I'm trying to think of like, what are the, the blocks that are keeping us from this sort of our own creative potential to build our life. And I think it's the inability to visualize who we would be if we were to move through that fear. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing, so that's coming up for me is like, because this is innate and by the way, I'm, I'm curious to get your perspective on this to, if you have a similar thought process, but that we we've essentially layered on top of what our genius is and by the way so i kind of use the words creativity genius superpower gift all those things kind of interchangeably so i think over time we've layered on top of what this genius is and so part of my process is with people is trying to help them uncover who they truly are. And now that sounds really cliche, but 
I, I mean it in the, the the most like real sense in that we create personas, right? And to to what you were saying, like self-image, we we create different masks or different ways of being. And I think what happens then, again, from my experience is like that we essentially lose who is under the mask and we don't know what we do well or naturally anymore. We just see ourselves as a set of skills or as a set of characteristics. And so to, to back to what you were saying, I really like the way that you uh, kind of discern between the, the logical analytical and the creative and dicing ourselves up and looking at essence. That's truly kind of what I'm after with who I help. And just in general, in my messaging, it's like, I want people to better understand what their essence is because I don't think we do anymore. And so the fears, again, to go back to kind of where you started this, I believe that they're really stemming from being able to kind of keep those masks on and either being afraid of what's underneath or simply not acknowledging or even knowing how to take those masks off. Yeah, totally. I think one thing I noticed pretty early on in the like healing, coaching, growth space, whatever the hell it is, um, everybody, I mean, literally everybody at some point in their life walks out of their essence and into the world. And they, they build a map of how to be here based on what do I think I need to be like in this moment. And unfortunately, oftentimes what happens in that is we betray who we actually are. Like we betray ourselves. We walk away from ourselves. We walk outside of our essence to put on the mask, as you said, um, in creativity, interestingly enough, I think can be, it's like a portal into that essence. Like it, it's like a portal into who you are. There's a guy, Paul check. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. I like does mm -hmm. like some spiritual talks and, um, like holistic health talks, but he does a workshop where he has people paint a picture, anything. He gives them some guidelines, but then he, he like breaks down their life based on the way that they paint. Um, and so it's, it's like, you know, so I'm, I'm creative in a different way. Like, because I am so analytically minded, I write and that's like my creative outlet. Well, if you read my book, like there is some essence of me in that book, right? No matter what, like, even though I write burn your couch, I wrote that book from a lot of my mask. There's no doubt about it. Cause I just mm -hmm. wasn't really aware. Right. But you read it in there. My essence is no doubt shown through there. And so I think for people finding a creative outlet, you know, so we're talking about creating your life, but actually finding a creative outlet for your soul can give you that window into your essence. And it can kind of be a bridge back home to like figuring out more of who you are. Because when I, when I really was like, I'm going in on this writing thing, it's really when I started like learning more about who I actually was. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> the, so I've kind of like labeled at least who I am and who I work with as achievers with, with a capital A, uh, just people that have essentially learned this paradigm of logical, analytical, how to operate within that and then how to create success in that. 
And one of the things I've realized is that what achievers don't do at all or well is do things for joy. They don't play Mm. in the truest sense. So they may find joy in their work and what they do, but they don't really know how to find joy outside of that. And again, this isn't a blanket statement, but this is as a generality uh, and something that I actually suck at, (laughs) like something Mm. that I still, even with all of my awareness around this and all of the fucking shitty lessons, but beautiful ones that I've had in my life, painful, I should say, not shitty, um, beautiful ones that have pushed me to that edge of kind of letting go of this, uh, this framework of who I, you know, just kind of like ingrained who I am as, as this achiever, uh, is learning to find joy, learning how to play. And I 100% have experienced the same thing in that that can be a window into our essence, as you said. Uh, And so essentially what I like to do, and I still try to do with myself is give others who, who resonate with this kind of um, this achiever mentality is like being open to doing something for the sake of doing it not because there's an end goal or an outcome tied to it, whether, whether that is something more artistic in terms of art or dance or singing, but even, even something like listening to music or journaling, or for me, it's playing with my dog. Like mm-hmm. I can just be goofy and silly and, and that's not going to tell me who I am necessarily, but it is going to shift me back into myself as opposed to just what I have created or achieved or accomplished the amount of money that I have, the job that I title or whatever. So, right. Yeah. One thing that play does is it harmonizes energy. So like at the beginning of, um, at the beginning of this, you were saying like, maybe we should define creativity. Um, so one of the ways that I do define creativity is that perfect center point between masculine and feminine energy, because femininity is the chaos right and so that's nature that's that's what gives birth to all that is right and so but chaos is nothing it's everything but it's also nothing and so in order to make chaos something you've got to have the order which is the masculine so when those two things come together you can create something and and that's what creation is is the exact meeting point of order and chaos and so when you think about the achievers so to speak in the western mind we're so i mean achievement in order to get to that level of success in life, you have to embody a masculine disposition into the world because you're doing, you're doing its directedness, its order, it's getting its dutifulness, conscientiousness. These are all masculine traits in order to achieve. And so oftentimes one of the reasons that can start to bring us back to center, I would think, and I've thought about a fair amount about this. When I got out of the military, I made myself play for one hour every single day. Mm. Um, for a few months I actually bumped it up to two hours and that was exhausting um <laughs> like like super exhausting um I have anxiety just like hearing you say that <laughs> yeah right it, yeah because you gotta like get creative you know 
my only rule was I had to like want to do it, but it mm. really did because I, you know, being in the military, it's like you're, it's so masculine dominated, um, probably, you know, to a degree of being like pretty unhealthy. And so you have to like figure out how to bring it back home. You can't live in one or the other for too long because shit will start going wrong because you are everything. So yeah, just a comment on that. Like, I bet that's one of the real reasons that play does help engage you in a creative life because it helps bring the energy back to a place where you actually can create. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's really interesting to look at it in that way, to, to look at it as kind of this... Um, because essentially, I mean, you're, you're you're saying it's like the equilibrium, or not necessarily. What creativity? The yeah, in terms of like where it lies between masculine and feminine. Well, I'm saying it comes out of the equilibrium. Okay. Yeah. Right. If you go too far into one side, then you'll end up. So if you go too far into feminine energy, you become chaos. Like things can be generated, but but like not directed. So you have no direction over your creativity. So, the further into femininity you go. Right. So really, I mean, kind of, I guess, to uh, it, in my framework, at least, it's like the the masculine at, at that extreme. We have the achiever, and at the 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 more extreme end, in the feminine is like the starving artist, and what we see that as totally yes yes 100 percent. and and so when you think about the starving artist motif they're so gripped by their anima which is their feminine psychology right and you know you're gripped by your anima if you're like relating to the world through mood things like that you become moody you become uh, aloof right that you're too far into chaos you're ungrounded right right and this is perfect because really what I've realized for myself is that center point is like where I'm at my best. And, and similarly, at least for the people that I coach, um, in that, cause I tell people all this all the time. It's like, there's, you have this, this achiever is a, a piece of you. It's not who you are. So it's like you have this capital A achiever, but you have this capital S self. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the, the process is like understanding who you are in relation to the achiever. So, so being able to dissociate and, and discern between those two things and understanding that they are not one and the same. And then kind of like once you've established a healthier relationship, because it's not saying the achiever is bad, we're not doing away with it or throwing it away, anything like that. We're just trying to improve the, the relationship between achiever and self, and which is essentially um, similar to then being able to call upon, like be able to shift ebb and flow in between these parts of yourself. And so what I always tell people then is like, once you're able to do that, your ability to achieve is is really powerful, but you need to be able to do that in a way that is in full alignment with your essence and the things that you care about, the things that matter to you. And and now you're you're kind of like set for liftoff, so to speak, or whatever, because 
you're you're using that achiever framework um, kind of on top of the things that you actually care about instead of you know doing work for some cause that you don't care about or um, yeah, I got a little off the rails there, but what I was coming back to is that that differential between the the starving artist and the achiever, and I absolutely have uh, observed both for myself and for clients that like when you can close that gap and understand that there is an in between, that there is a place in the middle, that that's a, a really powerful place to be. Yeah, and I think it's important to recognize like if you find yourself on either end of those spectrums so if you're the starving artist you need to add masculine energy into your life you need some order you need some discipline maybe like who knows what it is that you need but it's not like it's impossible to make money off creativity um in 2021 right like this is something that people can do you just have to do it like you have to figure out how to add more direction to your chaos and then at the same time if you are all the way in the achiever end like you'll find that personal evolution is going to become a problem and i think that's why it it works for a while like that the achievement mentality like it pushes us through our 20s and but we don't continue to evolve because we have no we are so far from the feminine that the thing within us that gives birth like to new life and new things too much order becomes tyrannical and so then we get stuck there and that's what where a lot of people it sounds like are coming to you they actually need to introduce that feminine energy back into their lives in some way which is why play works so much for them because it brings them back into that place where creation can continue to happen and i actually think about the entire world this way like literally from mm. our political party like mm -hmm. if we went progressive for too long like we're going to be in chaos there's no doubt yeah, about yeah. it yeah conservative for too long like nothing changes that's how oppression happens and and so finding that balance between the energies is just massively important in everything you do. I think in the Hebrew traditions, that's why we say uh, we would define God as a masculine figure because mother is earth and we as humans are the combination of matter, earth and spirit. And mm. so it is the feminine and masculine coming together that creates us. And obviously that when we have kids, that's also how it's done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm yeah so so the creation of all new things must have the intersection of those two things i think yeah <clears throat> and, and that's you know kind of coming back to uh where we started this with that quote and the transformative ability like you need that in order to you need the feminine in order, in order to drive that transformative process and so yeah that's it's really interesting um in terms of like uh, what are other ways i guess do you think for for people who are having their heart like a hard time wrapping their brains around how they are personally creative we kind of talk about like joy and play uh do you have any other thoughts on like how people can experience this more um, yeah, I think the, there's something called the perfect day exercise. I've, I've had so many clients do this, um, which is you just take a blank piece of paper and with as much detail as possible, write down your perfect day. Now, two things are going to happen when you do this. So you like start, especially if you go like as close to like minute by minute, like six 
wake up at six, you know, or whatever, and have breakfast at six thirty. Coffee. What is it like in the room? What kind of room am I in? Am I in a house? Am I like get keep going out with as many details in every direction as you possibly can and work for a long time on this perfect day. Then two things are going to happen. One, it's going to force you to reckon with your life. So you've got to like learn how to, you've got to do something. The second thing it's going to do though, is you're going to have to contend with the chatter that tells you you can't do this because this is only an exercise. I'm not telling you to go live this. I'm saying to do this as an exercise and there's going to be a part of your mind. And if you can get enough objectivity and just notice it, It'll be like, oh, you couldn't do that. That went, That's unrealistic. Nobody would want, like, that could never happen. And it's like, right, so you have to remember it's an exercise to help get yourself through that analytical part of your mind, which is going to kick on because it, it's learned to protect you. And so it's going to try to keep you from moving too far in one direction in life. Uh, and so, yeah, I think something like taking an active role in your lifestyle design can be really beneficial, even if only in thought, like, this is what I would tell my clients all the time when I would have them do this is stop thinking you already are living your life based on how you think you need to live it. So let's keep that right now. You think you have to do this. So let's keep that. I'm agreeing with you. You have to do that. Now let's look at it, do a thought experiment and just say, well, but what would this look like? Get curious about what this would look like. And then now you get a good picture of that if you can like really work with it push past those limiting beliefs and narratives like you couldn't have coffee at 6 30 on a deck in Colombia with steam coming off the mountains like you couldn't have all of that and it's like okay learn to push through that create that picture and then look at your life and then be like okay what would it look like for me to slowly walk this life over to the one that I've created for myself, the one I'm living. Because maybe you're right, maybe you couldn't have all of that, but maybe you could get up at 6 a.m. on a Saturday and go see the sunrise with your coffee. And then maybe you could go to the gym at 8 a.m. You know, maybe you could block off one day a week and you just make it as close to that as possible. And so in that like grappling with your actual lifestyle design, I think you can teach yourself to be somewhat creative. Mm hmm. Yeah, I, I love that. And it's funny, it's like, yeah, as soon as you, you mentioned the exercise, I was like, oh, yep, I know it's coming up for people as they do that. Um, that that voice? Yeah. yeah, like immediately, it's just so quick. And, and that's part of the exercise too, right? Is just like, totally. really being able to get a, a view into how your brain works and how your brain is keeping you doing exactly what you are. Right. And, and keeping you stuck because so many people use that word. I feel stuck. I don't know what to do. Like, like you're saying is at least at the very least with this activity, you can get a, a, a window into why you may still be doing what you're doing because you can't even begin to, fathom what these other things may look like. And so you can't even allow yourself to go there, which then leads to non-belief, which leads to inaction. And now here you are. Right. Um, right. One of the things, like I, I, I have an exercise where it's, um, you do, uh, I call it the 10, three, one. So you, and this is kind of like a, a relatively standard, I feel like life coaching type of thing is to do like a 10 years out, three years out, one year out. And so you kind of get a feel of, um, you know, like where your life could be in those, those different areas. So it's essentially like, where do you want your life to be at those increments? 
And so the idea is like, okay, we kind of look at, we, we remove the immediate constraints of time and money by creating the 10 year vision. And then we can step back into kind of a, a mid, uh, you know, a, a time range that's kind of in the middle of that. So we're adding some, some constraints and fears and, you know, beliefs back into this it's by like doing the closer. three year. Yeah. And then bringing it to the one year. So what I find is interesting is that sometimes people do well with this and sometimes people don't. I have another exercise that is more a pie in the sky thing, just like wave a magic wand. What are your wildest dreams of what your life could look like? And it's funny because some people struggle with that as well. But what I've noticed is that some people, what they put in their, their 10, three, one is drastically different than what their pie in the sky is. Like I can feel their essence in that activity, but not in the, the 10, three, one, it still feels very buttoned up. Even the, even the tenure, a lot of times can still feel like, Oh, I have like a house and I have a family and I, you know, am now doing this role at my job. Maybe I have some free time or you like, it's just still a lot more rigid. And so that's always just really, really interesting for me to see, um, that again, to, to, <laughs> I really like what you said. Uh, this is just an exercise, like, but even just in doing an exercise, what we as humans can kind of like the, the constraints we immediately create on something. Yeah. It sounds like with that, you're having to pull them outside of the, right. Cause 10, three, one, that's linear. And so you're going to pull them out of the linear thought process, which is the analytical thought process, which is what we're all taught to th think in. Yep. And so the, the, the point where, these two exercises, the one I talked about perfect day and then yours meet is in the ability to start taking the imagine imaginative process and applying it to your life. Because, you know, there's this saying, um, insanity is trying the same thing over and expecting different results or whatever you've heard it mm -hmm. treated to different people. Well, the thing that's interesting to think about is we all live wildly different lives we're all trying different things but we're our lives are pretty damn similar like we're all ending in very similar places and one of the reasons is because we're all thinking in the same paradigms and linearly is how we think about things and so if you do this then that you get this you get this benefit and then you get this amount of money and you get this kind of relationship and you get and so we we build our world out in this really linear way and then the truth is though is that you've no fucking clue what this is like you never know what anything means, not until the final analysis of that thing, because the hardest moments of my life, like breakups and stuff have surely been some of the most beneficial. And so I think that what you're, what you want to do is you're thinking within the same paradigm. And so I would say insanity is thinking in the same way. It doesn't matter if you're trying new things, because if you're still thinking in the same way, you're, there's only, it's like a groove, your thought process is in a groove. And so you can only end up in so many different places. And I think one of the great things about 2021 is like industries are being flattened and smashed and barriers to entry are being changed and taken. And so now like it's your creative, for example, we're having a, we're having a conversation on a radio show right now. Like if you were to think linearly about how you get a radio show for the last 50 years, 
you and I couldn't be doing it, you know, but this will be downloaded in a bunch of different countries and like it's happening. And so um, the, it just goes to show you that now because the landscape is changing, it's opening up the way that the idea that we can think in new imaginative ways, but we've got to learn how to apply that different way of thinking to lifestyle design because we've, we're all applying the linear method of thinking to how to build your life. And you've got to exercises like this can help start to just teach you to think in a different way because you probably, and this is probably true for almost any single thing that you want in your life, you, what you do not need more resources. You need to think of how you could get it with what you have. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's a creative problem. Yeah. And you have the parameters, right? So when you make a painting, it's not like I just paint anywhere in the world. Like I have a painting, it's got borders and it ends and has its own perimeters. And so I make something within those perimeters and the more constraints you add to your art, the more it changes what the creative problem that you're solving is. And so if you think about what you want in your life, it's like now you have an end point and you think about your, well, you could think about your perfect day. It's like, well, what do I, how do I want to spend my day? Now your creative problem is, how do I create that lifestyle? Not, you know, it's not necessarily how do I do what other people have done in order to get to an end result or how do I do what the convention says or no, you have to think imaginatively and creatively, but you can do it. You just have to frame the problem correctly. And I think that's why like having, you know, in the, you know, my, verbiage like achievers are having a very logical analytical way about thinking about things as you said you as an adult now have this blueprint for how to show up in the world and essentially how to think and and truly exist a, a paradigm of being and that is that things have a step-by-step -step nature if x then y and it's so deeply ingrained. And the, here's the thing is like, the, the reason it's so hard to unravel that from what I've seen is that you have proof that it fucking works. What do you, you mean have, by that? You've created a certain level of success. You, you've, done, you've done well, you got good grades in school. People told you you did a great job. You, you know, got a great job. You went to the best college. You make a shit ton of money. You have a comfortable life. And so you have all the proof in the pudding that this paradigm works. Now, people, of course, are, are experiencing the fact that it's not actually working for them, but it's hard to unhinge from that, uh, that very tangible you know, all those things and be like, well, I need to think in a different way because conscious or, or below that. Cause I think a lot of times it starts below that is like, it's just you rubber band so quickly back to that paradigm that has created success for you. And again, I'll bring it back to what you said at the beginning of like a, a feeling of safety. Like you, even if you aren't happy and you aren't fulfilled and you don't love your life or are excited to get up on a daily basis or whatever it is you are inherently you feel like right because it's all <laughs> you never actually are 100 safe but you feel safe because you you know you have a certain salary you have a certain house 
lifestyle, whatever. So it's, that's at least, uh, I think a big part of it is like, you've, you've provided all this evidence for yourself that it does work. Yeah. And I think, so I, something that came up for me when you were saying that is I think we should talk about the nature in which you think it works because this is important. Um, okay. So let's say that you're a sophomore. No, let's, let's say you're in sixth grade and you get uh, an assignment to do a science project. Now let's say that you don't give a shit about science projects. Let's say you don't give a shit about that one in particular. And you're just interested in maybe skating, like skateboarding or like animals or like, right. Just not this. Okay. And so I like skateboarding. So let's go with that. Yeah. Okay. And so now you, you have to, let's say you have to take a physics sort of, uh, exam or something low level physics, if you're in sixth grade, uh, <laughs> now you don't want to do it and you go home and you tell your dad, like, I don't fucking want to do this. And he says, well, you have to do it, son. Cause we have to do things we don't like in life. And you're like, ah, okay. I got it. And that's a good, that's a good principle. So you go do it and you push yourself through it and you don't like it, but you, you fucking here for life. You show up and you do what your dad said, and then you turn it in and then you get an A on it. Now, what just happened is you were validated for doing what you didn't want to do. And so this is the nature of which we're trained in this life. Like we are rewarded for stuff based on what other people have decided is as important. And I'm not saying it's not important, but I'm saying that's how it's been decided. And so then the challenge for us becomes, damn, so we've been celebrated, validated, affirmed to live a life that we do not want to live. And now we're adults where we get to make all of those decisions and we don't know how, and we don't know why. And it's like, well, because your entire life, you've been rewarded for doing well at what you did not want to do. <laughs> now you're stuck in a cycle of that. Oh God. Yes. Like, yes. And so one thing I actually thought about it earlier and I'll use this opportunity to say it. The one thing that, um, it's like a simple statement, but often blows achievers' minds is you don't have to do something just because you're good at it. Mm, you don't have to do something just because you're good at it. Totally. You, you don't, but for the, the achiever, and this is like where I've, I've experienced burnout um, and I've seen others experience burnout in, in some form, right? As a general kind of uh, broad term is, or, or living a life that they hate and that's not in alignment with them. And they can, they can tell me that they're unfulfilled and unhappy and feel stuck, but then they still dig their heels in when they're like, well, well, yeah, but I've done all these things really well. It's like, well, so what? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, like to what end, you know, like what, you know, you're, you're just telling me how miserable you are. And so, right. It's like the, the way I, I've read this, um, shit is, I think it was in 12 rules of life by, by Peterson, uh, Jordan B. Peterson. He says that basically that we're playing the wrong game and that you don't necessarily you don't have to play a certain game just because somebody else is, or just because somebody told you to, or you assumed that you had to, there are millions, infinite number of games to be played. And if you want to go play basketball instead of football, then do that thing. Like, mm. you know, you wouldn't go play a sport. Well, I guess maybe you would like if <laughs> you had a parent that told you to or whatever, but 
You definitely would. <laughs> right. <laughs> I guess that's part of the problem here. Yeah. Um, yeah, right. But just understanding like what is your what is your game like what is the thing that you want to be playing that you care to be playing that you're actually have a natural proclivity to play instead of feeling like you need to totally have you heard of the unique genius before no your unique genius so you could okay let's um this is a great exercise for entrepreneurs to do I don't know if I can recreate it in my mind, but imagine that you have a um, grid. So like just a, a horizontal and vertical axis and in one, and so you've got like broken into a quadrant. And so in one side you say things that you're good at. And then in another side, you say things that you like to do. And then in another side, you say things that you're good at that you don't like to do things that you're good at that you do like to do. So basically what you're trying to do is triangulate your your interest and your innate ability. And then as an entrepreneur, what you want to outsource are things that you don't like to do and that you're not good at doing, right? You want to have both of those together. Now, at first, like when you're starting a business and stuff, right, you always have to do multiple hats and do things you don't want to do. Um, but then if you could think about it, it's like, okay, this business is going to be best served if you move into your unique genius, because yeah. maybe you're really good at building websites, but you hate doing it. It's an energy suck. It doesn't inspire you. It drains you. Then it, you should, like, as to your point, just because you're good at doing it doesn't mean you should do it. You want to work in the that specific quadrant of things that you're good at and that you like to do. And then that's where the world's going to benefit the most from your essence and from your gifts. And then to learn to like outsource those other things. Yeah. Yeah. And that's uh, like essentially what I see in people is that they, they have gotten really good at this one thing or, or do it well. And they've continued to receive, uh, you know, generally as an adult, it's with, with money, it's a financially, um, uh, kind of, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> like the, the positive feedback loop of they're they're reinforced. There we go. Positively reinforced with the financial angle, only to realize that they don't care about it and, and that it doesn't actually matter to them. Um, another thing that you that came to mind when you were mentioning that. And this kind of ties back to what we were talking about before this in terms of like, how do we discover what that is for ourselves? Like what is our genius? Mm -hmm. um, kind of like the, the cornerstone exercise in my coaching is one that's called discover your superpower. And so I, I have this for free, by the way, to get, it's like my freebie for people. So I'll put it in my show notes. Um, it walks you back through, because I believe like we've always done this. There's breadcrumbs of our genius throughout our life. Yes, totally. I agree. So being able to, you know, I essentially within the exercises, like have a, a set of questions that I came up with that to, 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 to facilitate that reflection process and to facilitate really being able to look back on the things that are meaningful and, and where those things would have happened. Um, I'll give a, a quick personal example of this. So like I said earlier, I went into math and science because that's what I was good at. You know, got good grades, went to school for that, got good money for it right away. And there was the allure of that going forward. And so 
I quit that job. I ended up going into personal training because I wanted to help people and do something that felt really meaningful in terms of just improving the lives of others. I felt like I was like wasting my potential. I felt like I could be doing more instead of just like be sitting behind a computer. And so that kind of transitioned into coaching the way that I am now, because essentially I wanted to go deeper than just the, the physical and go into things that felt really, really deeply meaningful to, to me, which is like making these bigger lifestyle things. So to zoom back to the, the stories that I then, like in my past, <laughs> I, let's to junior high, like seventh grade, I think. Um, I was, no, it's actually probably even younger, like fifth or sixth grade, but I was a peer mediator. So I, I like forgot about this until a couple of years ago when I was like really thinking back. And so I essentially was there to like sit between two kids and, and peer mediate, like help them go through this process of resolving their problem. And in hindsight, it was like, oh, like, it's so interesting. Like I had this natural ability to hold space, have a calming presence, be able to very deeply listen and be engaged, see both sides and ask meaningful questions to kind of uh, facilitate this thing. And then that just kind of like got left by the wayside and, you know, kept going with life. Um, and so that was one of those things for me where I looked back on it and I was like, Oh shit. Like I can see where that was something that is just innate to, to me and my personality. Uh, and so being able to see those things in our past, I believe is, is really, really important to understand our essence and come back to what our genius is and get to know that a little bit more. And so it's, uh, yeah, like I said, I, it feels like following the breadcrumb trail and just kind of uh, seeing where that leads. Yeah, that's so interesting. There, That's like parallel to a point that I wrote about in my latest book. Um, but just this idea that the world is always inviting us to be part of a more full expression of ourselves. Mm. And one of the ways it's doing that is through all of the little like passions and interests and like maybes and what ifs and like you see something and you're like, man, I think that could be a little different. Or um, you, know, you find yourself in certain kinds of situations because your interests are kind of probing you throughout your entire life. And so then what I think happens is once you're like, okay, all the masks I've like, everything's not working for me anymore. The masks I've learned to work aren't working. Like, or maybe you go through a rock bottom moment, which is what happened to me. So it's like strips away everything that you've told yourself you care about that now you can no longer lie to yourself about. And then in that moment, you like look back through your life and you've realized this thread that's been weaved. You're now waking up to who you actually are and what you're here for. And the reason I think that that's true based on what you said is because yeah, because these like little subtle intuitive impulses your entire life are kind of like pushing you in one direction or the next. And that's also part of, I don't know if you, how you feel about this, but part of me thinks like when you're making a tough choice in life, you almost can't make the wrong one. Like you're gonna, I, you know, I look back, it's like a lot of the stuff that I need now in my life were because I made bad choices, you know, like quote unquote bad. Um, I dropped out of college to be with like my high school sweetheart. Like that's the stupidest thing you could do. It's a terrible <laughs> decision. But like, 
but then I went into the military and went down this whole crazy spec ops path and like, you know, so it's just like, you look back and it's like, I, I, that's what I was telling my sister the other day. Cause she's like lamenting over a decision. And I'm like, but you know, like, I don't think you can make the wrong one. So just go with, go with your heart, you know, go with your gut, do what you gotta do. Um, obviously there are situations we make that don't turn out to be good, but, but in the final analysis, you really won't know until you start to wake up to that. Um, so yeah, I don't know what you think about that, but part of me thinks that that thread is going to be weaved through your life with or without your compliance is it's who you are. Yeah. 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 I, <laughs> I'm over here grinning like a dumbass because, um, couldn't agree more. It's something that I, <laughs> I kind of give to my clients as medicine at some point or another, because and this is absolutely coming from personal experience of black and white being paralyzed or terrified to make a decision because when you're in that paradigm, there is a right and there is a wrong. Mm -hmm, totally. Like, like there is all the time. And you're, <laughs> you are always stressed that you're in the wrong. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or that you're going to be right. That's right. One of the problems with that right, wrong paradigm is like, you're always going to find yourself in it. Right. Yeah. And so that's, I always offer that to people is there is no wrong decision. Now mm. that's, you know, kind of like you were, you know, just kind of offering that up to me too. You know, you choose to believe that as you will, like, you know, I, I, I can't ingrain that in you or, or you don't have to believe that. But what that does is exactly what you're saying. It relieves the stress and the anxiety of the moment of being like, this is either going to change my life for better or for worse. Yeah. And instead understanding that just kind of like taking away those qualifiers, right? It's going to change my life. And then if you can understand that, yes, you, it may be a different path, but you will still come back to where you need to be or where you're kind of, and maybe this gets a little too spiritual for people, but like where you're um, just like your, your life energy, the trajectory of like where your life force is going. Your Dharma. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're like, you're going to come back to that. It's just, you know, you're going left or you're going right, but you're going around the tree and you're <laughs> going to get to the other side of the tree. Either way you may encounter a wolf on one side and a, a hole on the other, but either way you'll make it to that other side. And that's, yeah. Interesting. I, I also agree with that. And I think, so some distinctions to make there when we're talking about this, if you're wrestling with something, like there's a way that you could use this to abdicate responsibility. Like doesn't matter if I drink and drive cause I'm going to make the right decision either way. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's yeah. not what, like at all, what we're talking about. That's no. like you walking away from the authority and the personal will of your own life. Um, but I think that I had an example and I was trying to think, oh, okay. So the thing to know though, is if you're wrestling over decision, like to your point, you're going to get around the tree either way. You're going to learn through love or pain. Like you, you're, you've got your hand on the throttle more than you think you do in this life. That's like a belief that I have. And so I actually just did a podcast on this, but like you're unconsciously attracting the things that you need to learn in life. I, I really do believe that all oh, the yeah. subtle cues that you make, the way you interact with people. That's why you keep interacting partners whose wounds 
are really heart triggering for you because you've attracted each other to heal from those wounds. Um, so that being said, you can learn from love or pain. I was up to reenlist at one point at the eight year mark in the military. And I knew like, this isn't the job for me. Like there's something else for me. Um, but that analytical part of my mind won out in the end. It was like money benefits, reenlistment bonus status. Everybody tells you to keep the job, you know, all the things. I think the right decision for me was to get out the right decision, but I didn't, I stayed in and I regretted it 12 mm -hmm. days after the check cleared and the thing, and I had three, three and a half years still left. And so the thing to like, um, meditate on there is like, well, I just chose to learn through pain. You know, I, I still got, I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's like, I, I wouldn't say it was the right decision, but it's the decision I needed it's the decision I got. And like, I look back at my life and it was a huge part of my journey those last three years of like learning things and becoming someone that could do what I do now. So, so again, it's like, you know, make the decision with the best, the best you can, you know, all that you have. I think intuitive faculties are important to consider in this, right? Cause we tend mm -hmm. to overemphasize the analytical pro and con list, make the best decision you can. And then also recognize that you're only a human and the final analysis, like you can only do the human thing, which is decide with the information you have, which is finite, you know, your awareness is finite. You don't have access to ultimate knowledge. So you just make the best decision you can. And then like, that has to be enough for you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love the example because th so kind of the, so I always like lead with like, okay, there is no wrong decision. And as soon as like, I see my client kind of like raise their eyebrow or like, uh, look, where are you going with this? Mm -hmm. I'm like, there's probably an optimal one. There's probably one that does better serve you in the sense of least, you know, path of least resistance or whatever. Sure. But there's not an absolute wrong. And then to kind of, uh, just say in my own words, like what you said at the end of that is like, once you've made the decision, let that shit go. Like, mm -hmm. because it's made and it does not matter anymore. And like, we're human, right? Like we're going to beat ourselves up about stuff, but to like process that, you know, get pissed at yourself, like whatever you need to do. And then, and then let it go because all you're doing by, by holding on to that or beating yourself up or, you know, like any of that is just using up precious energy and resources to suffer yeah right and there's you can let go of that energy and be using that for something else and especially if you made the quote-unquote wrong decision to you uh you're going to need that energy to move through whatever that pain and suffering is so totally and so okay so this is a great part to start bringing bringing the car back into the garage here at the end yep. i think when you start leaning into your creative potential you unknowingly or unwittingly uh, release a lot of libido like a lot of life force and vitality that is underneath that um when i was living my life fully in the in the analytical side of my mind i felt exhausted often 
And it's because you can make yourself do anything for a time, right? And then eventually you start to pay the price and whatever the price is, like you betray your value system, that has a cost, you know, you start to resent things. You're paying a price for your decisions, no, no doubt about it. Well, one of the things that is interesting is once I started, once I got out, I was working with a coach and I was like trying to give myself a schedule because I was having trouble like staying focused and we're building my schedule. And he's like, why do you keep building a schedule you can't keep? And I was like, well, what do you mean? And it's like, well, like maybe you don't want to get up and go to work on Monday morning. Like maybe you want to just go do yoga or like go to the gym or, you know, like your schedule can look like anything you're, you're creating it now. And that like aha moment to line up my personality and my values with my schedule and lifestyle design, it felt as though I unleashed a ton of energy because then the things that I was doing breathe life back into me. It wasn't all just trying to get to the right place on a balance sheet. It was like, no, what's actually going to breathe life into me so that I can sustain myself throughout the day. Um, and my schedule ended up looking kind of nuts, you know, but amazing for me, for my personality, for my, my, you know, so I say that to say like, sometimes we end up we're like burnout is a great key. It's like, it's a message. It's telling you that you're living in the wrong way right now for you, like based on your own definition, mm -hmm. that's why you're feeling burnt out. Um, and so if you can lean into your own creative potential, you can start to release a ton of um, really positive energy for your life. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I actually had a, a client two weeks ago go through a similar thing. She's a creative and she has her own business kind of like in the early phases and she was still operating within the like a nine to five paradigm and when we were talking about it and just kind of like asked her why and she's like oh just because like that's what people do right like that's what i should do and so basically got to the point where uh reworked her schedule based on what felt good to her and her energy and same exact thing like just a, a liberation of of a certain like i don't know i come back to the word energy because that's what makes sense to me but like a certain energy of like stuckness or like forcing yourself into like you were saying a way of being that is not serving you that is not aligned with what you can best do and so i you know it just comes back to that uh, the overly masculine of rigidity in terms of rules and structures especially when put in place by someone else it's one thing to create structure for yourself in a way that you know makes sense to you or or is serving you um yeah i thought i was gonna go somewhere else with that but i don't remember where it was <laughs> Wonderful. yeah well man i this has been a great chat i like there's something about the creative life that like calls and draws me forward like um really resonates with with me so the, like i really appreciate you just taking the time to talk over all this stuff with me and hopefully for people uh you know that are listening to this like to to just get curious about your own creative potential like to me feels like the most uh beneficial thing you can do for yourself especially when you're in that western mind that western paradigm of thinking um you need to think in new and creative ways if you want new and creative solutions yeah absolutely absolutely and i to go back to something you briefly mentioned earlier that like we are in a different era now and so you know for for people around our age or millennials like 
I think younger generations are really feeling into this. You got, you know, YouTubers who are, are making, you know, bank off of playing video games or whatever they're doing. Mm-hmm. Like keep that in mind too. Like it's been a very short period of time, but the, the paradigm has absolutely shifted in terms of what's possible. And this is kind of like what I liked about, um, I think you kind of said it today, but also, uh, maybe even when we were talking about that quote, but the, you know, this idea of the starving artist, I think for a lot of people is just terrifying. Right. And, and that they kind of equate that with like, Oh, like, like, you know, like we're not rewarded in the real world with, of what creativity looks like when in reality, the people who are kind of, uh, you see so many people who are living their best lives because they've figured it out with technology or with how, just how to express themselves. And uh, it's going to take a while for that to trickle down through, through the education system and things like that. Uh, But just for anybody who is uh, a millennial or, you know, isn't 15 years old and listening to this podcast, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, because you probably aren't, that it does take that other way of thinking as we were talking about a little bit earlier. And you said something that is a mantra of mine and that the, like the single greatest tool I think that I can give to clients is two words, which is get curious. Hmm. The, the power of that, just going back to Rick, what you were saying when you're talking about the ideal day exercise, and then you even kind of mentioned with like, uh, with partners, get curious about your life and the fact that you may have created it exactly the way that you wanted to. And, and it is the way that it is because of how you think and the way that you show up. Um, and once you start getting curious about those things and what your creative potential might be, and what your definition of success might be, then you can start learning a lot. And I think that's what, you know, my coaching process is all about. I think that's what your books are, you know, more or less about too, right? Is like trying to stimulate that, the, you know, helping people think through things differently. Totally. Um, that's but exactly that's, right. Yeah, that's, uh, that's it. I wanted to share a quote too. Um, have you ever read the book, Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert? Oh man, one of my favorites. I, yeah. Awesome. So I just started listening to it. Um, Audiobook's great. Yeah. Oh my God. She, she's an incredible writer. Yes, I agree. Oh man. So I was listening to it for the first time again this morning. And the, the beautiful thing is that I didn't even do it, uh, you know, thinking that we had this podcast, but it was so, so perfect. Uh, and she says, the universe buries strange jewels deep within us all and then stands back to see if we can ever find them. The hunt to uncover those jewels, that's creative living. The courage to go on that hunt in the first place, that's what separates a mon- mundane existence from a more enchanted one. The often surprising results of that hunt, that's what I call big magic. God, I love that. I just get chills. <laughs> like, yeah, that's great. <laughs> it's... So she also, she kind of took this from, she talks in the book about uh, Jack Gilbert, who she has no relation to. And this is something that 
just like speaks so deeply to me. And, and essentially what he says is, do you have the courage to bring forth the treasures that are hidden within you? Mm. That's a question. Like, that's the question to like really ruminate on because, you know, you listen to this for people that are listening to this. It's like, I mean, you know, like, you know, to, you've got that subtle feeling that, that there's something more within you. Like, I know you do. And, and maybe it's manifested as quiet desperation. Like as Thoreau says, you know, most men lead lives of quiet desperation. Um, maybe it's manifested as a lot of what ifs, you know, what if, what if I did that? Or what if I started a business doing X or what if I, you know, it's like you, there's all of these intimations that there's more to you. Burnout, anxiety, depression. Yes. Yes, totally. All of these messages. Um, that's like right now you're learning through pain, but it doesn't have to be this way. Um, so I have a resource for the audience too, as we wrap up here, I learned about it in big magic. She, uh, Elizabeth Gilbert used it in her writing career and it's called the artist's way. It's a book mm -hmm. on, you can buy it on Amazon. It's a book. It's actually a 12 week course that walks you through like rescuing your creative ability and like doing so not at the whim of like for me in my own life, I often felt like I had to self-destruct in order to create. Um, and so it walks you, how can you create sustainably in a way that serves you in a spiritual way, in a way that you doesn't, so you're not a starving artist. Um, so for people that are interested, it's called artist way. It's definitely worth checking out. Love that. Yeah. <laughs> Huge fan. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Um, so in, in that spirit, I would again, offer big magic as, as one, uh something that i just never really got around to until like last year or so and man it like blew my process open in terms of like where i was at personally and professionally it just like added a whole nother layer the the way that she describes creativity i think will really supplement this conversation really well totally. so if you enjoyed this or are curious kind of uh about creativity and how we are describing it. Definitely read that. Uh, the other one that actually kind of started my process before I quit my corporate job and like really, really hit me. And Rick, I don't know if, if you've read this, but the Icarus Deception by Seth Godin. No, I don't think I, I've read some Seth Godin, not that one though. Yeah. So essentially the, the premise is like the Icarus, like we will, you know, fly too close to the sun and so we should just stay in a box type of thing. Um, mm -hmm. And the whole premise is that we are artists, that we all have art to make in, <laughs> again, our audience today should, should have a, you know, a better understanding of what that actually means um, because it's art, not in the, the way that we necessarily think about it in terms of the creative arts, but just we all have something to offer the things that I described as genius or superpower gift. Um, and he just talks about, he basically just talks around like how we all have that. And um, that essentially catapulted my whole journey out of corporate and into the the life that I'm living now. So absolutely love, love that one. Also too, uh, I'll, I'll throw my guide in here too. Rick, I don't know if you want to offer it to, to your listeners, but um, I can give you the link for that if you want. Uh, it's called Discover Your Superpower. And again, it's just kind of to facilitate the process of um, those breadcrumbs back to your essence and what you do best. 
yeah, so for people listening to this, we're airing this on both channels, and so I will link up the resources mentioned, and then also, yeah, that, that guide that you have on your website as well, and in your website, just for people that want to follow along with you. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I'll do the same for you, and then um, any books, any anything of yours that you want to, uh, people to check out, because you guys should absolutely do that as well. Cool. Thanks, brother. Awesome, man. Been, been fun. Been fun.